Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the one, the only, the singular program on the internet where myself, Dan Selke of WindowsComing.net and Daniel Roman of WindowsComing.net talk all things movies, TVs, swords, dragons, space lasers, etc. and so forth. Daniel, um, uh, I agree with Martha. Happy March. Yeah, happy March, Martha. Uh, oh, yeah. that's almost a tongue twister. Yeah, it kind of snuck so. up on us, or it snuck up on me at least. I, I, it's weird that it's already, you know, we're a third of the way into the year. How's your March going so far, Dan? And all of you out there? It's been a hectic day. Um, I will say, uh, yeah. on March third is my birthday, so in two days I will turn a certain <sighs> number. It's none of your flipping business, if you're wondering. But um, <laughs> I'll be happy. It'll be a fun weekend. So, uh. It's going to be a big march for me. I have a trip planned. Excellent. Ooh, that's fun. I'm actually going to New York City uh, with my family. Remember we're going to meet up. I don't know. Oh, nice. We'll, we'll talk about it later. You can tell me what Broadway show I should see. Actually, anybody, if you have a recommendation for what I should do in New York City with my family, <laughs> go ahead and let me know. But we yeah. are here to talk about all things. Hello, hello, Julie. We have to talk about all things, like we just said, fantasy, sci-fi, all that crap. And of course, there is a big one that landed today. Daniel, did you see yes. the latest episode, the new episode, the season three premiere of the Baby Yoda and Helmet show? I did. I, I actually just finished watching it about 10 minutes ago and then came immediately here to the podcast. So I'm ready. I am moderately hyped, I'll say. How about you? Did Have you seen it yet, Dan? I did. Uh, the Mandalorian season three premiere today, this morning, the wee hours of the night yes. at Disney+. Plus. And yeah, I watched it. Um, it was a... It, it was a it was a merciful half hour. It was like I think moderately yes. hyped is the right phrase. I feel okay. like so far around the internet, people have been kind of reacting with eh, nice. Eh, it's a nice episode of The Mandalorian's back. <laughs> um, but they don't yeah. seem over the moon thrilled. Um, but that show does have a good eye for detail. I I, I always like watching it. Yeah. Like I this this episode picked up. The worst thing about the episode is the fact that this show had its story continue in a different show when no yep. one was looking called the book of Boba totally. Fett, and that kind of reunite like how that oh it just baffles me like how that yeah. belonged on the mandalorian of course the mandalorian reunited with baby yoda belonged on the mandalorian the show where they met and fell in love and became yeah. partners in, in in life and crime and then separate it. I wanted to see that on the show, not to have it tune into like the 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 annoying little brother show, Book of Boba Fett. 
to see it. And I imagine yeah. there were folk who watched this episode and they were already back together and they were like, who, what, oomst, housed. Yeah, you know, I uh, kind of took for granted like how many of those folks are out there. But then when the trailers for this season hit, there were so many people who were so confused about why Baby Yoda and the Mando Super. were back together. Um, so yeah, I, I did catch myself wondering during the opening minutes of the season, like how much fuller, like, would it have felt better to yeah. see that resolved in the Mandalorian? And obvious, I think the obvious answer is yes. Oh, yeah. Um, of course mm-hmm. it would have slowed them down from their, uh, Din Djarin becomes King of Mandalore plotline, which it seems like is kind of where this season might head. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I've agree with you on that that and i agree with richard it is a marvel-esque move uh and that's kind of what they're doing with the star wars television universe you know they this is very much meant to tie into all those other shows they're doing like ahsoka and uh skeleton crew but generally i i enjoyed it um yeah, I did too. baby yoda is always great so if you watch and don't like baby yoda there's i, I don't know what to tell you but it's worth watching just the for novelty him. has yet to wear off on baby Yoda. Yes. I keep thinking it might. And then he like summons a little jelly bean with his force powers. And I'm like, no, oh. yes. Uh, yeah. So using it, it to is... spin the chair. Oh, that's what he was doing. Okay. I thought it was just spinning. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And it, the show always has a nice eye for detail. Like I, I liked the yes. bit where Mando, Din Jaren, and Petra Pascal, he have a thousand names. Um, needs to get this droid repaired and he goes to these little the alien mechanic dudes and uh, yes. Reef Carga, Carl Weathers like keeps kind of has like bend over to look into their miniature little uh, office and like just say little advice and just the framing was funny that's funny I, I like 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 the long pregnant western pauses when there's a shootout yeah, the Western vibes. Carga and the Pirates, that's nice. Um, the show is well-made and fun to watch. Um, I just, I just, I, I think, I think this could be a great show if they just said, let's get a five season plan going and crush it instead of, um, kind of spreading itself over different shows and, intending to go as as long as people are willing to watch it not as long yeah. as they should to make it great yeah i i think that is a a very fair concern thought with this show um and mm-hmm. i think this season you know this will probably clue us into how successfully they're doing that um you know, they John Favre did say, I think this week that he doesn't have any plan to end the Mandalorian. He'd love it to go on a long, long time with no visible end in mind. So that is a little, you know, as as someone who loves a good ending, that is a little, oh, um, you know, makes me a little wary. But it it's just nice to have the show back because it is a fun show. I love that it's, it's a, a half show. an hour. Um, that's a refreshing thing after watching, you know, stuff like the last of us where the episodes sometimes get up to like 70 minutes. Um, and I totally have to agree with you on the attention to detail. I loved that with, you know, with this show in general, but they had lots of little star Warsy Easter eggs throughout this episode. Like uh, the pirates that he has to fight. A lot of them are based on designs from George Lucas's Return of the Jedi. A lot of those Ooh. specific creature designs for those pirates were from like Jabba's crew. Um, or super deep cut nerd thing no one really needs to know, but it's cool to see them bring stuff like that back. Folk like and Jabba's those little crew. mechanics. Yeah, they were like, you know, the guards on the skiff uh, out when they were throwing Luke in the, in the Sarlacc. Some of those creature like uh alien designs are what they used in a new way for these pirates and um mm-hmm. the little the little mechanics too i think that was the last jedi where they started introducing them um, uh the so rise of skywalker like... was when they had babu frick there you I go think that's just a herd of babu frick 
Yes. So I I like that they're that's the kind of connectivity I like to see in the Mandalorian. Not necessarily we're going to make a huge interconnected story, but here are all these ways we're going to tie it aesthetically to the larger Star Wars universe. I hope they do more of that. I guess it was the first episode in a while that I remember where it was like it was it it it, it, it does not stand on its own really at all. Like um a lot of the the early ones, the first season, even the second fair. season, they had like it was like a standalone little adventure. And here, you know, he goes to his Mandalorian crew. They're like, uh, you're uh, exiled. He goes to revive yeah. this droid so we can go take a bath on a sacred Mandalorian <laughs> river or something. And yeah. he, because that's in his religion, he needs to do that to, to get back in good graces. And then that's he needs right. a part. And, and the last bit is like, I'm gonna go find this part. So like it it's 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 shifting from story of the week, which I thought was really kind of different at the time it came out. One of its every, strengths. Everything was so serialized on TV, and I really yes. appreciated how this kind of just embraced the standalone nature of kind of older TV. And now we yes. can see it succumbing to the siren call of serialization. For better or worse, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> but um, I didn't yeah. notice that, and I think that's part of the reason yeah, why. I, it hasn't like just jolted the internet fully to life like it might have if it um because you know this is very much a a, a piece of a longer puzzle no way a piece of a longer story yeah. a part of a bigger puzzle there we go my, my metaphor is right i think there's a little bit of you know i don't want to nitpick it too hard because well, if you enjoyed the mandalorian you know it's great um i i do think there is a lot of um they kind of shot themselves in the foot with this a little bit um, just in terms of, you know, coming into this one, I, I don't think they really, maybe it's just that I missed it, but it feels like the promotion was really light for this kind of feels like it's snuck up a little bit and now it's just kind of here. And that's weird because this is like Disney's flagship streaming show. But then that coupled with the fact that you need to have seen season two, you need to have seen the book of Boba Fett to have, any idea of what's going yeah, on they didn't um, like really recap it much either no not not really and yeah so there were there were things i it wasn't in you know like an a plus for me uh carl weathers character kind of being like we can't repair that droid we barely found him and then you know dinjar and repair it trying to repair him in five <laughs> minutes and then him being like we have these mechanics though and it's like why didn't you say that 10 minutes ago if you have these great mechanics so there were things well, like that right where Sure. But generally, it was a lot of fun. Baby Yoda is real nice. cute. The effects looked nice, which is very, nice. very welcome. I I think Star Wars, the Star Wars shows, kind of had a dip last year with Obi Wan Kenobi, and they're kind of getting back into their stride, effects wise at least, mm-hmm. which is nice because that's you know a thing you associate with Star Wars is it's going to look real cool. So yeah, glad it's back. I like the pace, are you going to be tuning like... in the whole season? Yeah, probably. I, I like the bit where they were going through hyperspace and they see like the weird whatever those creatures were along the the like in their little space tunnel. I like like just breaking for moments yeah. of I don't know peace and beauty and tranquility and kind of giving a little bit of yin to the yangs. Plus, again, it's a nice show to watch. Um, it is yeah. caught. It is caught in a net of um, commercialization. And merchandization and mascotization, which it might not be able to escape, but it is a pleasant, fun watch. The Mandalorian yeah. Saturdays on ABC. Yeah. That's not true. Wednesdays on <laughs> Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with Natalie there in the comments. It it was a little underwhelming of a premiere, but <laughs> generally a little bit. Um. One other interesting thing I noticed, uh, because we're going to talk about The Last of Us a little later on, too. Sure. So I think and somebody correct me on this if I happen to be wrong, which happens all the time. uh, I believe this is the first time the stunt doubles, the body doubles for Din Djarin have gotten star billing on the show. Um, I noticed that in like the stars in order of appearance, both of the Din Djarin stunt body doubles are now listed there and that i don't think they were in previous seasons and i believe that's because pedro pascal filmed a lot less this season specifically because (laughs) he was working on the last of us um 
So I thought that was fascinating. Uh, it's cool to see the body doubles getting the credit that they deserve I mean, because they're doing later, a lot of acting on this show. I mean, sooner or later, people are going to figure out, right? If you cover your main character's <laughs> head, like for the great majority of time, they don't even got to be there. Like it it, it it, can't be the first person like to, to whom this has occurred. Like I'm sure the accounts are like, yeah, <laughs> let's just write it off. Um, which is strange. You know, AI has been in in, 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 yeah. in the news a lot lately. And this is very, very different. I'm not even sure why I'm comparing them. But uh, <laughs> the idea of um, the human doesn't even have to be there, although they do. In this case, at least the, the real person is being replaced by yeah. a different real person. So, yeah, that went nowhere. Yes. But anyway, um, yeah, go for the body doubles. Um, yeah. Know, should we go on the next topic? Or do you have something you want to say? Yeah. Why Why don't we? I, I don't have too much to add on that. Just that. I, you know, the one flip side to that is I assume for the more expressive Din Djarin scenes, they still had Pedro, but who knows? Not me. I mean, expressive, maybe. Well, I don't know. You, I you, well, I mean, there's a lot of acting that can be done with a mask and having someone as a body double to do stunts is different than having someone who can true. convey that's the true. emotions in the same way mask, because that's a different type that's of very acting, true. I very think. True. Like thinking of things like V for Vendetta with Hugo Weaving. Yeah, he conveys so much and you never even see his face. I'm um, thinking of like um, so, the first guy to play the Night King in season five has uh, had a, like a very yeah. menacing air about him. And the second guy was a stunt person. And, you know, God bless same him. Deal. Verdict, he just didn't really radiate that same menace, um, even though he's yes. covered in like a thousand layers of special effects and makeup. So, yeah, it does matter. I take it all back. But still, you can get away with some stuff if, you, <laughs> if, if, if your person's covered in a mask. Anyway, Daniel, um, yeah. speaking of a web of commercialization from which oh, uh, nothing escapes. What a, what a transition. We, thank you. Uh, we heard <laughs> last week that Warner Bros. Discovery, folks behind Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, it's the HBO shows, basically. Um, yeah. The new parent company are teaming up with New Line Cinema, who, of course, are the makers of the Lord of the Rings movies, and Embracer Group, mm -hmm. which is a holding company which now has rights to some Lord of the Rings and Hobbit properties to bring us new yep. Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, we don't know if this means just remake the original trilogy, but yep. now Tom Holland is Frodo. We don't know if that <laughs> means... Um, I'd watch it. Uh, you, you and a lot of other people. Out of morbid um, curiosity, I would. Or something else. Uh, I guess, let me get your first reaction to this. More Lord of the Rings movies. We had the Lord of the Rings, we had the Hobbit. Now there's more. What say you? Um, Well, sound off in the comments, you guys out there, if, if you have opinions on this. But, Round I off. mean, my my first reaction is just exhaustion. It's an exhausted sigh yeah. of despair. <laughs> I mean, maybe not despair. You know, I've seen some people say, oh, this is great. Maybe they'll remake them and it'll expose it to a new generation. <laughs> um, I I mean, the old Lord of the Rings movies, and by old, I mean Peter Jackson's. They're not that old. They're yeah, from the early 20 2000s. Years old. Yeah. They have aged insanely well Very for movies nicely. made 20 years ago they really watch not you know the they did so many practical effects and such they had such restraint with the way they used digital effects like mm -hmm. a lot of very distant shots or you know for Gollum things like that that it really mm -hmm. has aged wonderfully um and the performances are so good uh that yeah I, the so the question is right of, the length is the, right it has like the yes. right kind of beats it, it was really yeah. very, very well done and a lot you know there are people who didn't like those that's fair but i my, my gut reaction is i don't know it feels like you know a desperate corporate grab basically let's fall back on some things we know work well and people like lord of the rings it's a well-established mm -hmm. property rather than trying new stuff um and i don't know i i don't know man tolkien's it's just well-trod ground at this point. It's either they remake yes. stuff we've all seen before, or they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel and doing, you know, the Tom Bombadil origin story. And well, I mean, just why? 
Well, yes, we we would watch that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if 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 they actually had the cojones mas grandes to do Tom Bombadil the movie, that one I would see. But that's they're, they're, fair. But, but but they're not going to. I disagree that it seems desperate. I think this seems pretty routine. Okay. I think um, going back to the well, you know, has uh, g- given up water before is very standard. I think it's green sure. based, but it, it's not desperate. It's it, it, it's it's textbook is what it is to me, um, and not very uh, yeah, inventive. Because I, I agree with you. Yes, it's well trod ground. I mean, the Lord of the Rings movies today are still touchstones. I, I just I don't. We don't need a remake. We just don't. Just and when we do, when yeah. we all are watching movies with the screens that go over our eyeballs, courtesy of you know. <laughs> micro facebook twitter or whatever if it's in the future then maybe do it then but now we don't the hobbit movies weren't that long ago and those were a big pilot turd but no. i mean you know um i guess i wouldn't mind like a simple single hobbit movie that would be in the style of original book but i doubt they're gonna do that and now we have this rings of power show on amazon which is bringing lord of the rings back yeah it, it seems exhausting especially my guess is that what they're talking about right now is what kind of movies they're gonna make is gonna sure. be. I'm thinking like young Aragorn. I'm thinking like um, Timothy Chalamet, as Edgar suggested. That was young Gandalf, but um, <laughs> as he 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 he'd be young Aragorn too, or 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 Tom Holland. Man. Why not? Um, I'm thinking young Gimli. I'm thinking something that's not particularly doesn't need to be made. It doesn't need to be made. To, doesn't mean it shouldn't be, but in that case, it just sounds boring to me. I'm expecting something boring. Yeah, I I think Tom that's Bombadil the thing, right? Boring. Tom Bombadil at least is interesting. I that was a bad example. You're right. That are they daring enough to do Tom Bombadil? No. Well, maybe maybe that's at odds with the moves we're seeing here. It'd be a failure, it, but it'd be an exciting failure. <laughs> it would be, it would be. I think um you know, if they do a young oh, Aragorn God. and young Gimli, I would be so disappointed not just because that's kind of a lame route to take but also that's something amazon specifically passed on because it didn't sound good enough so if wb you know if warner brothers and new line are like this idea that amazon thought was too bad to do we're gonna do it because hey maybe we could sell (laughs) that 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 i the irony of that would just be too much too much for my brain um, I, I think we're in an interesting place where we've got kind of two competing Lord of the Rings franchises, um, you know, because obviously Warner Bros. wants to keep making movies and now Amazon's committed to five seasons for the television show. Um, but yeah, I don't know. My The thing that baffles me the most about this is th- part of the reason the Lord of the Rings movies were such a huge success was because it was like an unprecedented risk that they were taking. It was like, yeah, this was a was huge new. story. It was, that, it was new and bold and people loved the story and they pulled it off. Um, it's kind of the same with the MCU, you know, looking at it from before Iron Man was out, we mostly had like standalone superhero movies or like kind of interconnected uh, series like X-Men. Um, but mm-hmm. to do something like getting to Thanos and now where we are with the MCU, that seemed like a pipe dream at the time when it was first starting. Same with Game of Thrones. It was a huge, bold swing. And I think this type of mentality that Warner Brothers has been showing with this, with Harry Potter, talking about wanting to go back to ooh, Harry Potter. Ooh. You know, it, any the, day now, any day now, they're going to announce something there, but we'll see. We'll hold on. Yeah, the Hogwarts legacy movie or something, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Um, but I think, you know, it it's it's understandable because those are proven money makers for them. But at the same time, I can't help but wonder feel like they're missing part of the reason that those things succeeded. And there are so many other stories they could take chances on that would probably do well if they had a good creative team behind it. Um, so yeah, meh <laughs> is my feeling on it. Well, um, like what, Daniel? If if you were to recommend that WBD Warner Bros. Discovery adapt or make pour some resources into a 
other property that wasn't Lord of the Rings, but I don't know, had some of the same flair. If you were the executive in charge of the major Hollywood studios, what would your call be? Who would you pick up the phone and dial? Or email? Um, and are why? we talking specifically? Well, there are a bunch that I think are good. Um, you know, I think Pern, uh, which is Anne McCaffrey's Dragon Riders of Pern, is a series that hasn't gotten any sort of television treatment that is like classic science fantasy that would probably be really great. Um, I think if we're talking like television shows, First Law, which is Joe Abercrombie, that's always my go-to of mm-hmm. why hasn't HBO made First Law yet? Uh, the Greenbone Saga by Fonda Lee is another one. Those don't really have the same very fantastical elements as a Lord of the Rings, though. Um, gotcha. But those would kind of be my my immediate go-to. I'm like looking around at my bookshelves right now. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I think those would be some of my first choices. I I'm sure there are other ones that I'm not thinking of right now. If you want the next closest thing to Lord of the Rings, uh they could probably do an actual good adaptation of Shannara because that is if you want to talk about things that are like Lord of the Rings that aren't Lord of the Rings, Shannara is the closest thing. Um so I but this is kind of the point, right? Like I'm just spitballing ideas. I think a Malazan Book of the Fallen adaptation would be ridiculously ambitious, but is kind of exactly what we're talking about in terms of what other book series are on the same level. Well, that one yeah, clearly yeah, yeah. is, I, I think. Um so um yeah, I, I think there are a lot of options, and there are a lot of options from living authors who could be involved in the production too. And I think we've seen a lot of very recent examples where having the, a living creative attached to a project that they conceptualized has worked out really well. The last of us and the expanse are two that come immediately to mind where the writers of house of the dragon, those things. Uh, And yeah. And house of the, even though George R. R. Martin isn't as involved, he's still, they can, Ryan Condal can call him up and say, what did you mean by this thing? And I think that the the value of that can't be understated. Um, plus, it's also, you know, good for, live, you know, writers in their career versus just milking money off the Tolkien estate. Sure. Um, but you had a really good thought with this that I yeah. wish could happen, um, which and was I- if they're not going to make the Silmarillion, don't bother. And, and why is that? Why is that kind of your stance on this? As Julie says, long entire series is finished. Most series are finished, Julie. It's just that George R. R. Martin guy, the Patrick <laughs> Rothfuss guy who can't seem to get their act together. Um, okay, so it's inevitable to go make to go back to the, the, the Return of the Lord of the Rings. Well, there's one way I think sure. it could work, or at least be interesting and successful both. Because like a Tom Bombadil movie, that might be interesting to complete nerds, but like I, I can't see it being a giant hit. <laughs> sure, it's not a good idea. And if Lynn Man and Miranda does the music, like Richard suggested, I mean, we don't want the guy to drown to death in Emmys, do we? It would be cruel of us. <laughs> um, or Oscars. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien did write, if if we want to pick up his corpse, a book, or most of a book, his son finished after his death, called The Silmarillion, that was published after his death. It's about, like, the way back prehistory of Middle-earth. And... yeah. To me, if you're going to do Lord of the Rings, if you're, if you, if you must do it, if you, if you got to do it in 2023, after all these hobbitses and Lord of the Rings we already have, then, then that's your only option. It's this, it's a big, sweeping, epic story full of characters. Some, a a few characters we know, Galadriel, occasionally Elrond, but most of them we don't. Yeah. When kind of new conflicts that are kind of foundational to the one we know. It's it involves a whole other continent that we never visited. It wouldn't just be like returning to, um, you know, Minas Tirith again or the Shire again. Yeah. I mean, even the Middle Earth where it takes place sinks under the sea by the end. So everything would be new and it's all official. It's all an official book. It's out there. I don't have it in my hand right yes. now, but if I did, you see what it looked like. And um, the story is complete. <laughs> it lasts for centuries. It has some great stories in there. Some of the Tolkien's most. The stories that he treasured the most, like Baird and Luthien is kind of yeah. 
I, I, I think like as as famous as he was go to for the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, I feel like he prized the Silmarillion the most. Like he, he, he seems to have been like the most attached to it. He would working on it the longest. He was working on it before he did either of those things. And there are just some really yeah. intense, beautiful stories that have never seen the light of day in film or TV. And that just, if you're going to do Lord of the Rings, just do that. That That's your gold. And I don't know why yeah. the Tolkien estate uh, is it, holding it's, those. Yeah, yeah. I don't really get it. Like, the Lord of the Rings Hobbit rights situation is famously complicated. It's it's a whole yeah. deal, but I don't know. Sell it and get a billion dollars. How hard could it be? Just, I mean, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure what you're gaining by, by keeping it back. Because at least I would have something new. It is a tricky book. Like Joanne said, yeah, it took me more than one try to finish yeah. it too. I did. And now that I've read it multiple times, I do appreciate it more on on the on the on the on the second go round. I did. I definitely appreciate it a lot more. It would take people of vision and creativity and boldness to do it right. But yeah, if you don't have those things, then why are you making a movie? So I say that or nothing. Yeah, I think the Silmarillion. You, you know, kind of what we were just talking about about taking bigger risks. Um, trying daring projects that are creatively expansive and and have the potential to be really impactful. Uh, the Silmarillion's kind of exactly that. If you're if you're it's looking huge. at other Tolkien stories, it's huge. It would be challenging to adapt, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't feel like a total cash grab the way no, that a young Aragorn or young Gimli, like mm-hmm. yeah, a Silmarillion thing. If someone could pull it off, it'd be like. I, I see what you did there. I can respect that. Um, and the one thing I will say, I hope that if anyone does adapt the Silmarillion, they stick Uh-oh. to the time scale or they don't try to oh. do what the Rings of Power has done with the time scale, which is yeah, we're going to just mention that elves live a long time and that everyone resents them for it. But we're not going to really press that home by having the story actually take place over centuries. I think that's one of the things that makes the Silmarillion very cool is that some characters live throughout basically the entire thing or most of the entire thing. And others are just like flashes of light coming through their lives because they live such shorter lifespans. Um, and that's a yeah, fascinating kind of thing, um, especially once yeah. you get to, you know. Again, like Baron and Luffy, it takes like courage. characters where they're entwined mm-hmm. but have to wrestle with that dynamic, I think is really interesting. But you're right, a it takes movie courage to pull on. something like that off. It, it takes courage to say, like, we're going to trust that the audience is smart enough to appreciate that some characters will be hundreds of years dead the next time we check in on the story. Like, it's not going to like it, but that's important. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're going to cast someone and then they're going to be done after a season. And that's good. That's going to be fine in one movie. As Jay Patel says, yes, you're right. They don't have the rights to the first stage. I'm saying, yep, correct. Take, find Tolkien's grandkids, take them to a lobster <laughs> dinner, and get the rights. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have the yeah, rights I mean, now, have... but that's what giant corporate machines are for. If they're not for, if they're for, if they're not for that, what are they for? Yeah, I am very curious why that is the case because this is a you know they care. clearly made a choice to court the Embracer Group to get these rights for these movies, which oh. coincides with what they were already doing. So I feel like, you know, there was this whole thing. I I don't know if you guys out there watching remember this, but I think it was last year. There were all these headlines about the, the Lord of the Rings rights are up for up for grabs again. And basically the Embracer group stuff with that, they bought those rights that were up for grabs, basically. But the whole time, Warner Brothers was saying, they're not really up for grabs. We're still making movies. We have this animated thing with Brian Cox coming out. So buying the rights from the Embracer group is almost like them covering their bases a little bit mm. to me. Like, it's ensuring they have the rights for the things they were already trying to do to keep the rights. Um yeah, I don't know what the deal is with the first stage. I I do wonder why the Tolkien estate is holding that specifically, and part of me can't help but wonder if the reason for that is this exact type of commercialization we're seeing with the rights that have been sold, because we know Tolkien didn't really love that. No, he <laughs> like didn't. he he ragged on Disney for basically what's happening to his work from other companies right now. So I have. 
I don't know. I'm kind of like suspicious that any corporate entity, and that's what Tolkien Estate is, a corporate entity that Ooh. protects yeah, no, that's the fair. work of Chair Tolkien and is has that much dignity. <laughs> I just don't buy it. Um, <laughs> the dignity is what's suspicious here. Yeah, you know, like, great. Like, you know, they keep releasing, <laughs> like, collection after collection where they kind of scramble J.R.R. Tolkien's words, put them in different orders and call it a new book. Like, something dignified in that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'll go full uh, cynical uh, succession here. Everyone has a price. Okay. And I don't know what theirs is. Oh. We gotta find it. I'm just saying, lobster <laughs> dinner. I can't oh, hurt crab if you like, unless they're vegetarians. I, I don't really like lobsters anyway. I hate food that you with the like, like homework, like work. It's too to much eat. work. Like just yeah, I already have it same. done for me. I don't like it. I prefer crab. I'm more of a crab guy. But take me to a crab dinner. I'll give you the rights to Lord of the Rings or so somewhere alien. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's the deal. That's the deal with the Lord of the Rings situation. Um, you know, we've been mulling over what other things we'd like to see instead about mm-hmm. all this type of stuff. But ultimately, we're going to have to keep an eye on this story because right now, basically, nobody knows what that actually means. And I think that probably includes Warner Brothers. You're probably right. I think they probably just announced it. I figured like, ah, we'll figure it out later. What are we going to do? That's totally what I think. uh, No, (laughs) they got the rights. We got the rights. A lot of sense. We'll make more movies. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. You're right. But Daniel, beyond uh, speculation about what might be coming to the future, what are you watching uh, right here, right now? Um, <sighs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just been watching The Last of Us. I've been so deep in it that I know there are other shows. Oh, People tell me that that there is this thing called television and on it there are other shows. But mm-hmm. I've just been mm-hmm. watching The Last of Us at this point. It's a um, good it's so good. What about you, Dan? Have you been managing to watch anything other than The Last of Us? Or have you just been in Last of Us Land too? I mean, still for all mankind, uh, we watched... Oh, nice. um, this is so... tangent. We watched the HBO Max documentary movie Call Me Cleo about Miss Cleo from the 90s and early 2000s. You know, call me now. Okay. And uh, have behind okay. all that. But yeah, The Last of Us is great. Um, the last episode was cool. terrific. It was fine. Um, the movie was good. You know, she had it, had it, had a lead. Um, are you familiar, Dan, with Miss Cleo? Do you remember her? Not, not over much. No, not over much. She was everywhere for a enough while. Okay, that enough that I know the name. Um, but not that I would have any knowledge to contribute. Okay, Google her later. And for all mankind, <laughs> but no, The Last of Us is great. Um, last episode was very nice. Yeah. Another flashback thing. Ellie's past. Loved it. Ellie's traumatic past. They've done a great job of, I mean, everything The Last of Us is doing, it's not like it's doing anything dramatically new. It's like, you know, a zombie story, but it's about real people is literally the tagline for The Walking Dead. But I feel like maybe just because it's the first season, they haven't had a chance to go off course yet. They really are putting the character arcs and the emotions first foremost and utmost and yeah following through with the actual production and the effects and and the sets and the costumes and the craft and the details in a way that makes it very immersive very affecting and um the nail-bitingly exciting tv i'm loving it two episodes left bring it on yeah and um i i think this last episode in particular, I don't know why it hit me so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this last one. Um, and I think part of that is this show has been a really great adaptation in general. Yeah. But this last episode, I think they really dialed that up in a lot of ways that just impressed me so much. Like with just how they designed this mall that they found an abandoned mall in, in Calgary, Canada. Set it up with all these set design pieces that were exact to the game. They they they're just doing a wonderful job with this show. And you're right about how The Walking Dead's tagline is basically it's a zombie show, but about people. But The Last of Us is really like it's just not about the zombies. Like just just full stop. Um, they're neat. 
And I think they're neat. And the deeper you get into it, the less it feels like it's about them. They show up and it's terrifying. But, you know, it's really about these characters. And it's more like something like The Road, Cormac McCarthy's book, The Road. Oh, look at you being literary. The Walking Dead. Well, it was one of the big influences like for this story for Neil Druckmann was was the road um at the same you know, time they made a movie like via- like like yeah the whole kansas city stuff over felt very much like a walking dead where they would like kind of go to one it new did. civilization and it would eventually crumble like the walking dead did roving band of cannibal people who stay alive like like it yes. did that storyline like it's, it's not like this is yes it did breaking crazy new ground it's just it's doing it in a way that's just they really believe in it. The fact that Neil Druckmann, who made the game, is is attached. You you can just tell how much he cares about it, and it's really working. Yeah, and I, and, I, I think and, it's a lesson to all the folks. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say, and everyone else attached to it because you're oh, totally course, right. Yeah. They've talked a lot about how. Uh, on like the last of us podcast and various interviews they had set set and visual design people vfx people like literally leave huge companies mm-hmm. to join other companies so they could work on this show because they were such big game. fans of the game so i that love for this thing really really comes through i think um it's just apparent you listen to you listen to anyone attached to the show talk and it's like they really love this story. Um, I'm so nervous for season two, though. Oh, gotta sorry. say. We're both um, playing The Last of Part so, 2 now, right? You, you I, so I, I finished it. The games. Oh, you finished it? I finished it. Yeah, I finished The Last of Us Part 2 over the weekend. Mm-hmm. The next two seasons Wild of this show, because I think it's going to go three three seasons, are going to mm-hmm. be real hard for viewers to digest. Um, I think The Last of Us Part 2 is basically the Breaking Bad of video games. Uh, and I say that for some, not just because it is an excellent game that really plays with your expectations. It also uses some very specific beats that Breaking Bad did too. Um, so yeah, good times ahead on The Last of Us. Should be fun, man. I can't wait for all that discourse. Um, Julie's watching Justified. Did you watch that, Daniel, or or am I misremembering? You know, I have not watched Justified. I really like, um, I can't think of the actor who plays the main guy, but I like him a lot. Um, but Timothy David Oliphants. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff and he's awesome, but I haven't seen Wait, Justified. Is it good? Timothy Oliphant? Like Timothy Oliphant? Is it the, yeah. the guy or is he a middle name? I don't know your middle name. Um, oh, yeah. you know what? Google gave me his middle name, but that's the guy. Okay. Because I know, because I know Tim- I thought it sounded too the formal. About, I'm like, that is that different? Yeah, him. But okay, gotcha. no, no, same dude. Um, Joanne says she oh. was very disappointed in the Mayfair Everybody witches, which was. seems to be the consensus. Again, like Mayfair witches, The Witcher, even House of the Dragon a little bit. Like, t- look to The Last of Us and say, like, if you stick to the good source material, just I, it's you're probably going to be better off, man. Like, just, I'm not yeah. saying you can't change it, because let's just change things. And sometimes changes are great. It has. House of the Dragon made Viserys a much bigger character. It was a great change. But just, yeah, I, th- I think there should be a high threshold for, for changing things. Like, it has to be a good, compelling reason. Yes. Make it like the court standard um, in, like, legal cases. Like, you have, like, a yeah. compelling reason to do it. Um, that's, for The Last of Us, that's, that's what they said for their rule for changing is, if we deviate, is it going to be better, <laughs> as good or better as what was already there? Sure. And if it yeah, wasn't, they didn't, they didn't change it. And it's like, yeah, do that because that's, that's I agree a with great you. Great idea. Yeah, and I, you know, I haven't watched it yet, but it seems like Interview with the Vampire got that. So I'm surprised. They did. At how they changed a lot, rev- and it was great for the Mayfair witches. I'm surprised the Mayfair witches hasn't done as well because it seems like Interview with the Vampire was awesome. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> nope. Bless you. Bless you That's now. Exciting. Thank you very much. I'll <laughs> yeah. watch that back later. Um, I'm sorry it sucks so much, Mayfair Witches. Um, one more yeah. question before we want to lighten you around from Jay Patel. Daniel, someone who played the game, do you think they should change the story for season two, The Last of Us Part Two? 
since Lessons Part 2 is so dark and divided fans when it came out, which it, it did. Do you think they should change that? It did. No. Zero percent. Ah, I think, I me, think give me, give the me. biggest the biggest challenge. So I, I'm going to say this as unspoilery as I can, because I don't want to spoil the game for you, Dan. They do some interesting things. That happens. With, okay. So The Last of Us Part 2 does some interesting things with timelines. And the I think it was genius. I'm of the opinion that people who hated The Last of Us Part 2 are wrong because it is a masterpiece of a game. It's very, yeah, very dark. Don't if you didn't like it because it. of... Sorry. Yeah, if you didn't like it because it was dark, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were like, I hated Abby. And it's like, you missed the point of the game if that's your takeaway. And my because that's like the whole point of the game is is building this three three-dimensional situation with Ellie and this antagonist. <laughs> but I I do think season two and three are gonna have to make some changes. Because if they stick explicitly to the game, there's going to be a very long period of time where Bella Ramsey is not in the show. No, and it's hard for me to it's hard for me to imagine them wanting to do that in the television show. So but again, I, courage. I think, yeah, courage. I think that's like literally the biggest challenge facing the show is how to handle courage. the timeline uh, trickery of The Last of Us Part Two. But for the darkness of it. I don't think they should change it. Like that's the show we're in, guys. Things are gonna get bad here, folks. If you don't know, some of us who are watching, when The Last of Us Part Two video game came out, there was an internet backlash that was comparable to Game of Thrones season eight. When that happened, and everybody like piled yes. on Benioff and Weiss and called them hacks and just all manner of horrible, horrible names. It was bad. It was like, ugly. this game got yeah. blasted. Um, these narratives really took hold, and time has vindicated, especially Last of Us Part Two. I think Game on Season Eight to some extent as well. Um, and I'm with you. Don't change a thing. Figure it out. I mean, if there's half the chaos that happened after the game came out, I'm gonna suck it up like I'm eating dime store sushi. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the it. backlash too. It's so hard to separate legitimate criticisms. Like people who didn't like how dark it was, it is darker than the first game. It is a a revenge story, The Last of Us Part Two, and with all of the cautionary themes you would expect of something like that set in a world Mm -hmm. like this. Um, But, you know, there were some marketing things. I read stuff about how they doctored a trailer to make it look like one character was in the game more than they are. Um, cool. So the things like that, I can understand those criticisms. I That's a personal peeve of mine. I hate when um, studios have like alternate footage and trailers to keep people off the scent of the thing. That, that bothers fun. me. It feels like deceptive marketing to me. Like you can just show different scenes. You don't need to make fake scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think, you know, the flip side of that is a lot of people hated The Last of Us Part 2 because Ellie is gay and there's a trans character and it makes you sympathize at points with the villain of the game. And Mm -hmm. I think some of those, you know, you look at The Last of Us, the most recent episode got review bombed and it's that and the bill and Frank episode. Mm-hmm. And this one is not even a change from the game. People are like, Oh, they, they yeah. changed Ellie. And it's like, no, they didn't at all. So it's going to be messy whenever it comes out, but I hope they don't change a thing. Yeah. And it has that thing where people will say, and again, I'm not saying there aren't criticisms. You can have of it, but it's yeah. like what they want to say is, I don't like that there are watching gay people. What they say is like, it's not related to the other stuff. And that is legit criticism. But sometimes it feels like you're 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 way angrier than that would justify by itself. Like, absolutely. I'll share this, by the way. I'm going to share with all of you a little personal experience I had recently. So I wrote a couple of articles about uh, the Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling controversy, which is going strong. And just talking about, you know, her comments <laughs> about trans people and um, the how they intersect with how the new how, how, Harry Potter video game. 
lots of comments on that all kind of of that nature like she can say what she wants but then i got a in my inbox i'm not gonna read i i I saved it someone in your track down my yeah tracked down my actual email sent me a just straight up like expletive laced homophobic screen and it's just sorry man that's i wonder and sometimes w- when I see criticisms of things with like with little boxes checked, like I don't think it's a coincidence that the most <laughs> um, by far the most critiqued last episodes were the one involving the gay characters like the no. and the other dude and then Ellie and Riley. Like it's just not a coincidence. And I do think there's something beyond that. And I think sometimes people will kind of say a certain kind of comment that seems neutral on its face to and then it's like say it as if it's like a huge really big deal to cover for something else they're really upset about and i think yeah, when they I, don't put it in public like in this email um it's a little more honest and a little yeah more i yeah i sorry that you got that email that sucks oh, uh, i was kind of proud of it that, i was like shame Whoa! on you I yeah, upset this achievement, person. achievement unlocked. <laughs> got got a hate email, mm-hmm. um, but I yeah, I agree with you. That was, yeah, that I mean, apparently you just had to bash J.K. Rowling a little bit. I didn't bash her. Um, I was very. I thought it was very fair. I agree with you. I I mm-hmm. do think you were pretty even in how you wrote about the J.K. Rowling stuff. Um, but that was kind of the, that was the point I was making uh, about The Last of Us and that it's those two episodes that have been review bombed because we have one that is a pretty significant change from the game for Bill and Frank that sure. it was wonderful, but it was a change. And then you have the one with Ellie and Riley and my the the worst my the comment that has made me laugh the most of this. I saw someone comment and say. HBO made Ellie gay. This is awful. <laughs> and it's just like, you clearly did not play the game because this is like exact this last episode. So you're right. It is showing whether it's a change or not. The thing that is bothering people is that these are and not, not people be what in general. Bothers them, yeah, the most. yeah, because the filler comments too. This episode was filler. filler. I've seen people say that about the Ellie episode. And it's like, you're seeing how one of the main characters got bitten and infected and found out she was immune. That is the opposite of filler. That is crucial information. Whether it is, you know, whether we need it, fine, you can debate it, but it's not just a random side story that doesn't matter. We're seeing her origin story. Um, so yeah, and The Last of Us Part Two, it's the same with the trans character. I, I'll just float that out here right now. Mm. It's it's not on the note it's just here's a trans person dealing with what it would be like to live in this world what's that like for them um it, it yeah it worked so well i thought and any controversy is like ridiculous once you see what is actually in the story doesn't warrant it it's it's we will play this all out in public and it'll be interesting but we'll probably get to the lightning yes. round because we are running long on time it's been fun though this is a good discussion good talk good talk, good talk. yeah truth we need it are you are you ready, Dan, for the Wick News lightning round? Yes. Oh, you said you okay. had one more question. Was that was that the question? If I'm ready, I don't remember saying that. But um, I think we're going lightning. <laughs> okay. Round. Well, yes, I am ready. Um. Okay. Hit me. You want to read first? first? You want me to read and first? We'll, okay. You read me first. We'll work it out on the way. I didn't order the move and stuff. Okay. All right, so uh, House of the Dragon is getting NFT Funko Pops. Uh, okay, thoughts? so just to break this down, so it's not, so Funko Pops are the little dolls, House of the Dragon is the TV show. These are NFTs of the little dolls. So these aren't the little dolls. These are JPEGs yeah. of the little dolls that you can buy or get in packs that have like an identifying marker. Um yeah, that's like a couple layers of silly. All right, these guys, it's Funko weird. Pops. But no, 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 it's not that. It's a picture of a Funko Pop you can buy. You're not buying the doll. You're buying yeah. a picture. Okay, 
Anyway, you're, uh, you're buying a picture of this. I think they made it so you can redeem it if you get real lucky and they'll send you one. A special one. Yeah. Okay. NFT. Okay. 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 Next. Uh, Sorry, um, Allison. Uh, Dan, here is yes. the first image of Rick, of Rick and Michonne from their new untitled Walking Dead spinoff. Psyched? Yeah. Yes. Uh, of all the Walking Dead spinoffs, this is the one I I really want to see. Um, we've been waiting forever for a Rick and Michonne reunion. Yeah, um, I haven't seen the finale. I know there's stuff about it there, but to get a series for it, uh, I'm like 100% on board. Can't wait for that one. I will be watching it. Work. All right. And speaking of things that at least one of us will be watching, mm-hmm. the upcoming fourth season of Succession will be its last. Are you sad or is it time, Dan? Um, it depends what it looks like. I mean, four season isn't, you know, it, 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 it's, 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 you could end it there. You can go five, whatever. It's a great show. I liked it a lot. I'll be watching uh, this season in March. It's, it's, it starts this month. Um, I'm sure if they want to end it now, they have a good reason. Looking forward to it. Bring on some session. Yay, Roy's. Yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, okay. Roy's. All right, uh, Dan, here's a film that I haven't looked into that much. Uh, NASA shouted out the Orville, the sci-fi program, the Orville. Explain. Yeah, I love this. Uh, So the Orville had its third season last year. It was great. Uh, People at NASA love it. So someone from NASA put a chart in one of their official documents that was like a mock-up example chart for a personnel thing. And they put Orville characters for the personnel with some little notes at the bottom about where they got the fake institutions where they got their degrees. It's a lot of fun. Uh, please renew the Orville Hulu. NASA is begging you. Um, for our country. Do all right. For the U.S. Do it. F- yes. Do it for the space program. Um, so uh, this is a fun one, too. So Rogers, oh. the musical, which is the fake Broadway show in Hawkeye. Uh-huh. It's becoming an actual stage show at the Disney California Adventure Park. Honestly, it took him longer than I thought it would. Um, it, in Hawkeye, Same. they like go to this fake Broadway musical about the Avengers. Now they're going to actually mount it in the California Disney par- uh, Land Park. Cute, fun. If you're there and you want to spend like the eight hundred dollars it takes to get in and see it, why not? I'm sure, <laughs> be cute. Musical theater, how fun! I could do this all yeah. day. Okay. All right. Um, oh, Daniel, this is a cool one. Okay. Oh, oh s- speaking, speaking of, of stage shows. Theater. Yeah, exactly. A Stranger Things stage show called Stranger Things The First Shadow is coming to the stage in the West End in London. It's a prequel um, set in, in 1959. So like young Jim Hopper, young Joyce, young Henry Creel, a.k.a. Vecna. Play. Stranger Things play. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm actually less apprehensive about this than I usually would be about a tie-in play like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child or something. Mm-hmm. This was an idea mm-hmm. from the Duffer Brothers that one of the show writers wrote, and they're working with this really oh. established playwright. Um, and it's about young Vecna and the Creel family moving into Hawkins. Uh, we're going to see Hopper and Joyce and young Bob. Um, so I think it's yeah, fun. Bob, yeah. I hope it's good. Yeah, cute. i do it. All right. Oh, this is I, I'm so curious about this one. Uh, I keep meaning to read about it and I just haven't yet. So please tell me about it, Dan. Uh, George sure. R. R. Martin, for a hot minute there, he considered giving the Targaryens psionic powers. Oh, yeah, 20 seconds. So, OK, early in the time George Martin was writing his talk about some fire, he was going to he was thinking of like all the sigils and like Targaryens had uh, dragons, but he thought like they don't actually have dragons. What they can do is light fires with their brains. Like that was his idea. Um, and then he brought it to like an That's author crazy. friend of his in Chicago who sent my son and she was like, yeah, they should be, have dragons instead. And they did that. That's good. It is that sounds like everything worked out for the best. Because like he wanted them to be, you know, powerful and like kingly and kind of special like the Targaryens are for the dragons. But he thought sure. maybe they should be pyromancers, not um, dragon riders. Okay, but that didn't last long. And finally, um, the writer of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, uh, Jeff Loveness, was sad and despondent that the critics didn't like the movie he wrote. 
Yeah, you know, I feel bad. I feel bad for mm-hmm. Jeff Loveness and everyone attached to Ant-Man because I think it has gotten an outsized amount of pushback that is not warranted for the quality of the movie. It's not a bad movie. Um, it's not an incredible movie. It's not a bad one at all. Um, but yeah, he he was sad about it. And then he saw it in theaters with an actual audience and they loved it so much that he was like, the critics were wrong. <laughs> and that's Indicated. the story. I had a good time this show. Uh, full disclosure, before we started this show, I had like several handfuls of Skittles, which might explain why I'm so kind of peppy. And up. <laughs> um, but it was a good show. Oh, I enjoyed this. Enjoyed talking to you. Yes. Enjoyed talking to all of you out there in Watchy Land. Always. If you want to join us again, we are here every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, 3 Eastern, you know, 1 Mountain, noon, California. Um, on the Winter is Coming <laughs> nice. Facebook page and YouTube page. We're also available in uh, podcast form wherever you get your podcast, Google Play, iTunes, etc. and so forth. See you next week. Until then, Dracarys. Nice. Take care, all. This podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. 